Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. 20 verse 8, 7 and 8, Psalm 20 verse 7 and 8. I remember as a child, um, my parents were not very rich in my middle school and high school years. They actually got very wealthy. Well, not really, but I'm making a joke. After I got out of college, all parents would say amen. Once your kids get out of college, you become wealthy because you have money you didn't have before. Well, my brother was going through school, and so my parents were paying for him to go through. My dad was working, man, probably 80 hours a week. And my eighth grade year, all I had was jogging pants to wear. Seriously, I didn't have any blue jeans. And so I was wearing these jogging pants, and I wasn't really the coolest kid. Um, I didn't have any girlfriends. I wasn't allowed to go to the movies on Fridays. Uh, You know, I was not very popular. So I had this idea. At Christmas, I got money from my grandparents. Everybody loves grandparents, right? Because they, they, they just give you money. I love, I love grandparents. They gave me $150. Now, to an eighth grader, that might as well have been two or $3,000, right? I mean, I was thinking about retirement and things like that. But what happened was, I figured out that with that 150 I could either buy four pairs of blue jeans or... David Robinson, Nike Air Pumps. Now, 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 some of y'all have no clue what I'm talking about. But see, back in middle school, there were two types of pump shoes. You had the Reebok shoes that pump with the little, um, you know, basketball. It was a little goofy, and after a while, the basketball would tear off, and it just wasn't cool. But David Robinson pumps cost $147, okay? And they pumped from the side, and they even had an air valve on them. I mean, they were top-notch. So I cried and I threw a fit and I convinced mom and dad to buy me the David Robinson Force Pumps. I mean, I really believed. I thought, man, if I get these shoes, imagine like, have you guys ever seen the Christmas story? He's dreaming about the Red Rider BB gun. That's how I was about the shoes. I was like, man, if I can get those shoes, I'll be able to jump higher. My jump shot will look better. I mean, girls will like me. I just imagine being the coolest kid on the block. Well, for about a week, everybody loved the shoes. They were pumping them. They were twisting the valve. I mean, I cleaned them every day. They loved it. A month later, nobody really cared. And the David Robinson pumps um, really did not change my life the way that I thought they would. And we have all done that before. You've seen an infomercial. You put your hope in something, man, it's going to change my life. And then it really doesn't or it doesn't last, right? Now, y'all can laugh at me about my David Robinson pumps. But let's be honest, we all do that in here. We have hopes in certain things that we believe are going to fulfill our inwardmost desires of our heart. And if we put our hope in those things... We put our trust in those things, and guess what? It never pans out the way that we believe that it would. I want to speak to you this morning about removing the mask of false security. Look at Psalm 20, verse 7 and 8. The writer of Psalm says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And they have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for such a beautiful, beautiful day, God. 
Uh, Lord, just woke up and I just sensed your presence this morning. We thank you that you pursue us, that you're following after us, God. And we just ask today humbly that as we listen to your word, as I unpack false security, that you would speak to our hearts, God, every one of us in here. And help us, Lord God, to walk deeper and closer with you. Let your word do what it does best, God, because it never returns void. So we just unveil it today and trust that it's going to do a work in every heart in this place. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, Amen. I remember one time uh, there was a guy that told this other guy in a conversation. He said, Bobby, let me ask you a question. He said, what is the foundation of all relationships? And Bobby responded, love. And Tommy told him back, he said, no, no, Bobby, it's not love, it's trust. Because if you can't trust, then you can't fully love the object that you're trying to share love with. And and trust is defined as reliance on the strength or ability of something or someone. It really is you're relying on the strength of something or someone. And let's just be real, uh, we have all done this before. We, our generation probably is the most hurt that we've ever seen before because we've had such broken trust, broken hurt. Over the past 60 years, our country no longer trusts in its officials and trusts in people in authority. We now are skeptical. Why? Because we've had our trust broken. And every one of us in here could be real and say that I've had my trust broken because I have put my trust in things that cannot or will not be able to produce what I need. And the writer of Psalms says this in Psalm 27 and 8. He says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember, or the same word, trust, the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. See, this is a military conquest psalm. And it was showing the juxtaposition between two opposing kings. Both of them needed chariots and horses, didn't they? That's what you fight with. But one king trusted in his chariots and horses to bring victory, while the other king had to use chariots and horses, but that was not the source of what they were hoping for, for victory. And you see that in the psalm right here. And so many of us in our society, we see people who are trusting in chariots and horses. And because we've had our trust broken, you begin to place trust in things that just are never going to produce what you want. Your chariots and horses can't bring you victory. And that's what the psalmist was saying here. Um, Past couple of weeks, I don't know if you've you've noticed this, hopefully not, but... um, there's a stool here, and I don't know which stool it is. I've not prepared this yet. Okay, that one's pretty sturdy. I have a backup stool you can see over there. This one's pretty sturdy. There's a stool here, though, and maybe somebody fixed it. But every time I got ready to sit on this stool, it, like, bent. I almost fell over. I mean, I'm like, whoa! And, I, and you know, I, I, was t- I know I was too cool so you guys didn't see it. I mean, I know I played it off good. But these are like table stools. They're, they're meant to be a stool that can double as a table, as you see that we use here. And what happened was I was leaning on an object that was never really meant to hold my weight because this object was broken. Now, in its completeness, it's fine, but it's broken. And every time I would sit on it, it would lean or shift, and it was really scary. So during one of the messages here, I'll never forget, I was literally shifting my weight the whole time, like... 
preaching. I mean, you would not imagine what I have to go through sometimes up here when you're preaching. You're like shifting weight, trying to share the message of the Lord, right? And so it was broken and I kept having to shift it and I was scared I was going to fall. Now again, you laugh at me, but that's just like us. See, our society's broken. Our government's broken. Our education systems are broken. Our world is broken. And so many times we are literally leaning on things that can never hold our weight because they're broken. And that's what trust is. You're literally leaning on something to produce something for you that it never was meant to because it's broken. But again, you laugh at me with these things, but we do this every day. See, I firmly believe today, man, that some of your, you guys, your eyes are going to be open. Because you've been sitting on stools, and they've been falling on you, and they've been falling on you. And you're like, man, I'm so tired. Because every time I sit on one of these stinking things, they fall. So I'm not sitting on any more stools anymore. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, not leaning my weight on this anymore. I believe some of you today are going to realize that you, it's not the problem, it's not the stool. The problem's in where your trust is at. Some of you have been leaning on relationships. You've been leaning on, on church. You've been relying upon possessions and money to fulfill something in you that was never meant to fulfill your heart. And I believe today that God's going to speak to some of your hearts. And you're going to be like, aha, that's why I have the issues that I'm having. It was never meant to hold me because it's broken. See, Jesus dealt with three types of people in his day that also had false security. They were wearing this mask of false security. The whole nation of Israel was trusting in things that could never produce what they needed. They were hoping, check this, and they were all wearing masks, as you know, the, the word for hypocrite is the actor. They were all hoping in a nationalistic Messiah that would come and free them from Rome's rule. And so their hopes of the Messiah was much different than what God's was hopes for him was. Others were trusting in their, their obedience to the law would actually bring them righteousness and bring them salvation. And then some in Israel were experiencing great success under Rome's rule and they were hoping money and possessions would fill the void in their heart. If I just had some more, if I just had a little bit extra, I would then be happy. And guys, all of us wear these three masks. And I want to talk to you about that today in your talk notes. They should be there. And the first mask we're going to talk about this morning is the mask of false security of religion. False security of religion. And I use the word religion to raise your eyebrows, and I'll unpack that. But let's look at Matthew 21, 6 through 11. Matthew 21, 6 through 11. And we're going to look at how Israel had the false security of religion as their first mask. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. That's a good thing. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. I mean, aren't you, you can read this fast. Let's just slow down. They laid their clothes in the road. It's not like us where our closets are full, right? And you're like, I would love to get rid of that shirt because it's so out of date and I can't even wear it. It doesn't fit anymore. So as you read this, they're taking their, that was a, most of them are poor. And they were taking these clothes and laying them out in front of Jesus on a donkey. Others were cutting down branches without chainsaws. Hard work. And they're laying it out in front of Jesus. It's been a lot of work to get this to happen. Verse 9. 
that the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And look at verse 10. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. They were hoping in a time of a messianic hope that Messiah would come and free them from Rome. Because see, Rome ruled Jerusalem at that time. When you read the whole New Testament, realize they were under Rome's rule. They were not like America, land of the free, home of the brave. They were under the rule of another country, a pagan country at that. And so the country who had the one true living God was like, man, we're believing that Messiah's going to come like Braveheart and going to take these jokers out. I mean, that's what they had in their mind. Braveheart would come on his horse, he would cut some heads off, and they would rule Rome. Earthly dominion. That's what they were hoping for. And so when Jesus comes, they're looking here and they're like, man, that's awesome. We're so excited that Messiah's come that he's going to do just like we thought he would do. And so they, they take their clothes off, they lay them in the streets, they lay palm branches down, and they're like, man, I'm, we're excited that our Messiah has come to do what we expect and what we believe. What they wanted was they wanted a Jesus that would do what they wanted them to do. And you may look at the Israelites in disgust and say, how could you one week lay palm branches down and the next week crucify them? How could you do that? I would never do that, but we do the same thing. We all have hope in a God that will do things just like we want him to do them. We pray that way. We read the Bible that way. We, we have an expectation of a Messiah that will deliver us the way that we want to be delivered in our situations. Right? And so we're really excited and, and we lay out the palm branches and, and we're like, man, I just believe God's going to do it this way. And the moment that he doesn't, you're just like the Israelites. And I'm like the Israelites where we're like, you know what? Instead of crucifying, you're like, forget it, man. I'm tired of believing and hoping and dreaming and God's not doing it the way that I wanted him to do it. See, there are Christians that believe that if you give enough money and you fast enough and you do enough things that God's going to really adjust to your will. That if you want to be blessed, just give him this offering and God's going to bless you. He's going to cancel out your debt. And they'll give you one story of one person out of eight million that that happened to. And the rest of them who gave all their money, that didn't happen to. And you guys know how I feel about the whole TV preaching thing. Um, if you, uh, I don't watch Christian TV. Um, I believe there's other shows that can help me out a little more than that. Because what happens in America, and listen to me, check in. We are so narcissistic and self-centered in our country. We're individualistic and independent. And a lot of times when we go to serve God, we, we do it on the way that we want him to do it. And if he'll do what we want him to do, then we're all good. But the moment that your expectations and reality do not line up and the disappointment comes in, you're like, man, I'm done with this junk. I expected God to heal him like I prayed and I fasted and, I, and it didn't happen. So I'm done with it. I, I'm not going to pray for anybody else anymore. You know what? I believe that the marriage would make it and I prayed and I believed and that dude left anyway. And you know what? I'm kind of sick of this whole believing in faith stuff because God didn't do it the way that I wanted him to do it. 
Now, maybe none of you think like that. Maybe that's your neighbor or your, you know, your friends. You're hoping they came to church today. But I firmly believe that all of us, in some way, shape, or form, have that going on. We're wanting God to do it in a way that we want it done. See, I said religion for a reason. Religion is man-made. It's man's attempt to make sense of God and have God meet his needs. What we have as Christ followers is a relationship, and we're on a journey. And I don't know what your journey and your story is, and, and you know some of mine a little bit, but on that journey, you can't go with negotiations and expectations of the way everything's going to turn out. Relationship is a journey where you say, God, I'm going to believe, I'm going to hope, I, I know you're good, but I'm going to follow you no matter the outcome of the situation. Because see, some of you, and, and Wednesday night we spent some time on this. It's crazy how these John 6 and this lined up. Some of you are, are limiting your experience of God because your expectations aren't being met. And maybe God doesn't want to bring you over or take the mountain from you. Maybe he wants to climb with you over that mountain. And you're praying the mountain be moved in the sea. And you've been praying for 10 years. And God said, man, if you'll just start climbing, I'll climb with you. And when you get to the top, you'll realize that I carried you to the top. It was never you in the first place. And, and sometimes when you have expectations of things that God's not having expectations are, you limit the experience of what can happen. See, some of you in here have a false security of works. You don't drink, smoke, or chew or run with those who do. I'm at Sunday school every week. I have a thousand pins. I, am, I pray three hours a day. I am, I'm good. And I've seen on Facebook that some of these heathens actually, they went to a bar. And I'm just appalled that they would do that. And I just hope that God would forgive them and they would make it into heaven. Because, um, and, and maybe I'll put a good word in for them because I'm just that good. You, there's people that are trusting. that Some of you all, all had the good old boy mentality. I'm just a good old boy. Ah, you know, I believe all good boys get to heaven. See, you'll do anything for anybody else, but you won't do anything for God. And you're trusting that just being a good old boy is going to get you to heaven, and your works cannot save you. It's fully surrendering and fully leaning on Christ to save you because you realize that you're wretched, you're unrighteous, and you can't do it, and you trust in him. So some of you, it's works, and then others of you... Let me speak, because I offended one half. Let me offend the other half now. It's your lack of works. I mean, I mean you're like, I'm going to club. I'm going to party like it's 1999. I'm going to drink, smoke, and chew and run with those who do. And God is good because he is love. And I'm telling you, if your life is not changed after you have leaned on Christ and there's not a, some type of transformation that's happening in your heart, you have to stop and call a timeout and get with the coach and say, Coach, am I even on the team? Right. Do, do I really know the God that transforms hearts? Do I really know the God that changes lives? Because so far, I'm still, I still love to do all the things I used to do and I do it and I don't care. See, you know, we, we talk about Catholics a lot. We say, well, Catholics just go and they take their mass and think they're okay. But Christians do the same thing. It's only it's not mass. You just come for an hour in a week and listen to church. And you've done your due diligence. Some of you, listen. I want you to realize that you can't take the grace of God in vain. If you believe you've received the grace of God, 
then check and say, God, what is it looking like in my life if I've received that? Some of you it's work, some of you it's lack of works. And then the point I really want to make is this. Some of you, your false security is you want it your own way with God. You have negotiations and you have things. If, if things are going good, you're the best Christian that's ever happened. If everybody's nice in your job and the kids are all good and the money's coming in, you're the best church member and person ever, right? I mean, nothing can stop you. But the moment things go bad and it doesn't come out like you wanted, then you begin to shy away from the Lord and you say, well, I just don't know and, and I need to back off and, and, and those things. And see, in my younger years of following Christ, and I say younger, so I'm like, man, I don't think you can get any more younger in Christ than what you are. Um, don't let the gray hair fool you. I still really am a young man. I was just like the Israelites, and I was feeding on theology and ministers that told me if I had enough faith and sowed into their anointed ministries, and I could reap their anointing and see all these powerful results, and God would fulfill my desires. Now, let, let me preface this by saying I believe in, in faith. I believe in prayer. That's why we have prayer counselors stationed every week to pray for you. I believe God can heal. I believe God can deliver. I believe God can do all those things. But what I bought into was that if I just do it with a certain formula, then the outcome is going to be what I expected. And so I, I went believing these, these things, and I wanted a God that made me feel good. And I bought into the idea if I fasted enough and, and, and declared enough and quoted enough scripture, then nothing bad could ever happen. God had to answer my prayer. And I really believed that, man. I was just like, oh, and I was probably, I look back, probably very obnoxious and probably very arrogant. I mean, if I, if I met me now, I'd be like, dude, I, I don't really like you. <laughs> a couple of things in my life where that happened was, you know, there was a lady in our church when I was in, in North Carolina. And she was a young lady, prayer warrior, developed bone cancer. Um, and I'm not telling you what to do if you get cancer, but here's what happened. She decided not to take any treatments. And one of our staff pastors encouraged her not to. That they were going to pray and believe and fast enough and God had to do what his word said. Because he's a son of man that he can't lie. Or, the, or, or he's not, not, not a man he should lie. The son of man he should, that he should repent, right? I mean, we believe those things. And so we fasted and we prayed and she didn't take any treatments. And a year later she died. I, I even sewed a check. I'm just letting you into my personal life a check. For $58, because God told me there's 58 types of blessings. If you do that, then God's going to answer because he did it for him. And I put that check. I remember the, the usher came and said, what's this for? Blessing. God, and I, I started preaching to him. And, she, and, and the lady passed. And I'm going to tell you what, that was a shaking of my faith. Because then I had to sit back as a young Christian and watch all these answers of why it didn't happen. And when that happens, maybe she didn't have enough faith, maybe we weren't pure enough, maybe we weren't holy enough, and then I began to search. And then the second time, and I spoke about this Wednesday night, was last summer. I prayed, I played a healing CD every day for my mom. Played it for her. We prayed every morning when she was in hospice. I watched her worship. I watched her cry out to God for healing. And it didn't happen in the way that I wanted it to happen. Friends, I don't know why. Maybe you're theological enough. You can say we didn't have enough faith. We didn't give into so-and-so's ministry on TV. But what I'm saying is this. So many times, if the expectations and reality don't line up, we let that affect our relationship with God. And you can't. I don't know the answer of why you're going through what you have to go through. I don't know why, you, why, why the Lord has not done the, the way that you want him to do yet. But I can promise you this. 
It's not trusting in an outcome. That's not God. It's trusting in the Lord himself and saying, God, I believe you're good. I believe your love never fails. And no matter what I'm facing, I believe that you are good. Check this out. We talked about this again Wednesday night. And I just want to share this with you. I mean, we read the book of Daniel. And we see that God delivered Daniel from the lion's den, right? And we know that our God can deliver us. And we should believe that and we should trust for that. But then you read in Hebrews. We're probably the most powerful group of Christians that ever lived. Well, how can you say that? Because they're in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 and you're not. So, okay. That's why I believe they're the most powerful. It says that they believe and they saw these great things happen. Read the book of Acts. Powerful movement. But then it says that some of them were sawn in two and devoured by lions. So we've got to realize that sometimes when we believe and hope, it doesn't happen exactly the way that we expect it. But don't let that diminish that God is still working in that situation and he's still moving in that situation. And you've got to look and say, God, I thank you that I don't know why it's not turned out the way that I expected. I don't know why that I keep quoting these scriptures and nothing's happening. But like I said earlier, you cannot stop believing. Keep trusting. But don't trust in the outcome. Trust in the Lord your God. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalms 37.4 says this. And you guys all know it. It's the Christian hallmark card. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many times have I tried to be happy so I can get what I wanted from God? <laughs> I have. I'm just being real. Now y'all may look at me like, man, I'm never coming to that church again. This guy, wow. I did. I thought, man, if I was happy enough and delighted, then God would give me my desires. Man, thank God that he didn't. I look back. I'm telling you, if I had my desire a year ago, my pastor's here, Dayton Burt, and he helped bring me here. I would have come to Richmond, Virginia. I would not have been at this church if I had my desire. Because we were running 20 people, and it looked bleak. My desire was a church of three to 500, right? $80,000 a year, living it up. But here's what the prayer has to be. I'm just being real with you. It has to be this here. God... Don't fulfill my desire, but rather instill your desire in my heart. Because at the end of the day, you've got to submit to God and say, God, it's your call, it's your will, it's your desire. God, what do you want? That, that, that word thele in the Greek literally means desire or will. It's God's strong desire for the situation. And you have to line those things up. See, we take the mask of false security of religion when we pray that prayer and live by total faith. When you take it off, when you believe in the goodness of God, no matter the outcomes or things that happen, we stop trying to use Jesus to fulfill our desires. And, and there's times that, that you know, you're going you're gonna to see that it looks like things are bleak. I mean, their Messiah got put on the cross and everybody left. And there's things that you're going through that looks bleak and you don't know how it's going to come out. But I promise you, hang on till the end and you will see God come through. We do not trust in chariots or horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Here's your second mask this morning. It's the mask of false security of possessions found in Matthew 19, 16. The mask of false security of possessions found in Matthew 19, 16. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, let me just pause there. If somebody ever comes to you flattering you, that's not good. You know, I, 
I had somebody um, come after church one day and say, hey, man, your church is awesome. It's the best church I've ever been to, blah, 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 blah. And they were saying all this. And I knew, like as he was saying it, Proverbs says that if they flatter to you, flatter you, it spreads a net for your feet. Be careful with those who, who come with great flattery. So he says, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? What good things shall I do? I love it. So he said to him, what do you, why do you call me good? No one is good. That is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. And watch this. Jesus sets them up. He said to him, which ones? There's 613, remember? Jesus said to him, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. He goes through, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he kind of just convinced all of them there. And the young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth, what do I still lack? This is for you guys in here, like, man, I got it going on. You know, you know, I don't have the false security of religion. I'm really good. He said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give it to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Look at verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. See, some of us are believing that possessions will fill that hole in your heart. Now, maybe you don't outwardly go after possessions, but inwardly you really believe, like myself, that that thing will help you. See, this young man here, the problem wasn't that he had possessions. The problem is his possessions had him. If you have things in your life that you're pursuing that are keeping you from following Jesus, then that's a problem in Jesus' eyes. If you have things that you're going after and you want the house and the car, you're like, man, I really want that. I'm going, and I, I'm sorry, I got to work every Sunday. I got to work on this. Day. I, I can't get the kids to church. We're trying to, we're trying to make it happen. Then there's a problem if your possessions have you. And that's what happened to this young man here. His possessions had him. And Jesus challenged him to get rid of the one thing. Because it was a heart condition. He believed more possessions. And this thing would fulfill his heart. Matthew 6.24 says this. Let me draw your attention just to this real quick. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. My wife often says this, jokingly of course. She says, sweetheart, I don't love money. I just love the things that money can buy. I just like buying stuff. And then my answer to her is, you're absolutely right, sweetheart. Every husband just got a, you just got a marriage conference right there. You said, that's exactly right, sweetheart. You don't love money. You just love possessions. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Generation Y, which is the generation under me, under 30, 60% of workers under 30 have cashed in their 401k. I'm speaking to all the youngins in here, and all the parents said... Amen. Thank you. There's two parents in here that really, really like this. 70% have no cash cushion if something was to happen in case of emergency. The least likely of any generation to have health insurance, so we want others to give it for us. The average one under 30 has $23,200 in student loan debt. See, what happens is this, especially I think in my generation and younger, 
Fish at 35 and younger, and, and I, but I am speaking to y'all that are over that too. Don't be, don't be zoning out on me. We believe if we get the car, if we get the house, if we get the new you know, iPhone 87SG or the new Windows phone or whatever, then, then we're going to be fulfilled. And you may not outwardly say that, but you say that with purchasing those things. And then you strap yourself and you're wondering why, man, my wife and I fuss over money all the time. Because you're spending way too much. Because you love possessions and you believe that possession will promise you something it never can. You keep leaning on the stool possessions. And guess what happens after a year with that phone, friends? You ready? Know what happens? It's obsolete. Some of you are 37 years behind on your phone, so it's very obsolete. And just stay there. Don't get the iPhone 87.5 GS if, if you don't have it, okay? But we keep leaning on things that we think, hey man, the camper, I, I, I have a family member. Every time I talk to him, he's got something new. I, I just bought a brand new camper, man. Yeah, man, me and the family can go camping. And every Sunday, you know where he's at every Sunday? He's camping. I'm like, hey, bro, we had this conversation. Why do you keep dodging God, man? You bought a camper to dodge God? And we laugh about it. I mean, we had that relationship. It's like, I, I can say that. Very close family member. Every time, I, I, I just bought a new car, man. Just got down. Because I think inwardly we all believe that those possessions will give us a sense of fulfillment that never will before. Can I tell you what will give you fulfillment? Are you ready? This is deep, man. This is like the deepest part of the message. Wash and wax the car that you have. And there's actually a pretty car up under that car if you would just wash and wax the car that you have. Y'all may laugh. And my wife laughs at me all the time. I drive a 2005 Malibu with 182,000 miles. And I have spray-painted the hubcaps three times with chrome paint and then clear coat over it. Because, you know what? The best thing about that car is, I trust the baby. You know what the best thing about this car is? We're just cruising. Ain't got no AC. I said, you know what the best thing about this car is? She says, well, I said, it's mine. Because sometimes, you know, her car, she is paying payments. God bless her little heart. And so sometimes we'll be driving. And she's not here today, so she, you know, usually she's sitting over there so I can really pick on her today. And we'll be driving. She says, ma'am, my, my, my car, this. I said, oh, what car? She said, my car. I said, no, this is Nissan Motor Vehicle's car. This is not your car yet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But what happens is, if we don't understand that Christ is all those things to us, we continue to look for things to fill our heart. This is such a sad story. This young man walked away from Christ. Sad. Because he said, man, I really want this thing instead of following Jesus. See, some trust in chariots with really nice rims off the showroom floor. Others in horses or 500 horsepower. But we will trust and remember the name of the Lord our God. He's the one that gives ultimate victory. Here's your third and final point this morning. The mask of false security of relationships. The false security of relationships. See, many of us believe in the right friendships, the right romantic relationship, or even, check me here, the right church is going to fulfill our life. And watch this. Matthew 26, 46. Matthew 26, 46. And Jesus says, Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Verse 47. 
And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Verse 48 says, Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, watch this, Whomever I kiss, he is the one sees him. I find great comfort in this passage. I mean, Judas and Jesus had to be close friends. I mean, if you spend three years with someone every day, either you're not going to like them at all, or you're going to be close friends, right? And I don't think there's any way to not like Jesus. I mean, that's my, just, that's my take. I think Jesus is a pretty likable guy, right? But Judas, his close friend, the treasurer who held office, betrayed him with a kiss. I I can't imagine the pain of what Jesus felt when he saw Judas coming and the rest of the disciples saw Judas coming with the chief priest and he sold him out. I can't imagine the hurt that was in Jesus' heart. But Jesus didn't lash out. He didn't retaliate. He didn't attack. He simply let the situation play out. See, many of us have false security of relationships. And let me preface this. The right relationship does matter. All right? The right friendships do matter. I mean, don't get me wrong. The right romantic relationship does matter, the right one. And the right church, I believe, does matter. But what happens is we start leaning on these things. We start leaning on them for something they were never meant to do. See, see, we know something about Jesus. In John 2, it says he committed his trust to no, to no man because he knew what was in man. He committed his trust to no man for he knew what was in man. It didn't mean he went around like, I ain't trusting y'all. I ain't turning my back on y'all. I'm, pray, I, I ain't, I'm praying all the time because if I go to sleep, y'all liable to steal something from me. So Jesus wasn't doing that. The trust there was a trust that was only relegated for God the Father. He never put that type of trust in people or relationships. And he knew the whole time. The Son of God knew. It was prophesied that Judas would betray him with a kiss. He knew it. And so many times when we lean on relationships to fulfill something and they fall, we're bent out of shape with it. And listen, it does hurt. I'm writing a book right now. Um... Third book I'm writing, second one's in in manuscript form. This one is about church planning. And one of the chapters is this. It's four statements I wish someone would have told me about church planning because nobody told me this. I feel like going out into a a gunfight with a knife about these statements. One of the statements is this. People are going to hurt you and they're going to hurt you badly. People are going to hurt you and going to hurt you badly. There's no way around it. As long as you have breath, you're going to be hurt by people. And it's one of the things that, that, and and I know that Bishop Dayton Burke could tell you too, as we work with, one of the biggest things with pastors, especially young guys like me, is that you start leaning on these relationships to, to be something they never were. And that person leaves and they, you know, walk, you know, walk out and they do it badly and they put it on Facebook and they don't like you and you're the worst person ever and they're telling everybody in the community, blah, 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 and this is going on. It hurts. Right? It hurts. And what happens is, if you start committing your trust that was meant for God to people, you're always going to fall. You're always going to find out that they can never fulfill what you're wanting. And here's what I told this guy. 
He had a family leave last week, and man, he did it badly. The guy was like, you know what, dude, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll bring your keyboard back when nobody's around, it's after church, and, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll just make sure it's done right. He said, man, that's great, man, let's, this week, let's, get, let's have coffee, let's just talk, let's just, you know, man, I bless you. Ten minutes later, a guy brings a keyboard for everybody and sets it on the stage, and his family walk out, and everybody's looking like, what, what was that? And, and, and the pastor was heartbroken over the situation. I said, all I can tell you is this, man. Jesus was hurt and betrayed. And all I can tell you to do is sit with Jesus and ask him to give you the same grace that he received to get through the situation that he did. I don't know what you're going through. And for many of you today, you've been wounded by relationships. I, I guarantee everybody in here has. If you're not, you're not old enough yet. <laughs> Just grow up a little bit and somebody's going to hurt you. And I believe what happens is you have to understand that people are people. I'm a person. We're all people. We're going to say stupid stuff to each other. Some people are going to be intentionally mean to you. And there's nothing that, that anybody can do about it. Some people are going to hurt you on purpose. And there's nothing that you can do. And all you have to do in that point in time, don't commit your trust that was for God to them. You say, God, I trust in you. I have a saying for church planners, God is sovereign, people are crazy, it's all good. God is sovereign, because I'm crazy too, I'm, I'm, I'm with that group. Humanity in its total crazy, and it's all good, if you put those together. When you multiply those two, it equals all good. It's like a bus, people can get on and get off. I said, man, just don't stop driving, dude. I said, your trust cannot be in people. It's got to be in God. You can't trust in chariots. You can't trust in horses. You've got to trust in the name of the Lord our God. See, for some of you today, you believe the right friend will complete you. Does the right friend matter? Yes, that's the right answer. The right friend does matter. But that friend can never fulfill you. And if you feel like loneliness is your problem, it's not loneliness. It's just you're not aware of the great presence of God that's with you daily. And he wants to be your best friend. And he's the friend that will never leave or forsake you. And, and when you find that completeness in him, you'll be the best friend anybody could ever have. Because you can weather the storms of life. Some of you are looking for the right romantic relationship. And I believe, listen, I love my wife. She's my best friend. I believe I have the greatest wife that God ever created. She's just like awesome, I'm telling you. But if I looked for her to complete me, you ever heard that? You complete me. Honey, if you or him ever say that, you're in trouble. Because sooner or later, they're not going to complete you. You've got to look for Jesus to bring that completeness to you. And what happens is, when you trust in that relationship, romantic, to, to, to feel you, that romantic relationship, what happens is you jump into it too early. Premature relationship, you jump into it you get married to someone and five years later, you're like, I don't know who this is. I don't know him. I don't know why in the world I jumped into this because I don't know who this person is because you were so desperate to jump in because you didn't let Jesus to, uh, complete you. Here's a saying that I always say. Let me say this. There's one thing worse than being alone. It's being with the wrong person. Now, if you're married, let me just say this. It's God's will. So don't be thinking about, yeah, I'm in the wrong person. If you, if you said I do, it's God's will. You, you in it. You're in it to win it, so, so, so stay there. But if you're just courting somebody and you're like, man, I'm trying to look for them to complete me and I know they don't really follow Jesus and I know they have a, a real sketchy lifestyle and I know they, they got these issues, but man, I think I'm going to bring them to church and bring them to No, you will not. 
you will be bringing your children by yourself to church while they sit at home. And some of you can say amen. My, my mom did that for years. My dad still doesn't go to church to this day. The wrong romantic relationship can destroy you. And then also the church. I love Thrive Church. I love being the pastor here, man. I have fun. Um, I enjoy it. I, we strive to be a healthy church. But can I say something to you? We're not perfect. We're a bunch of messed up people. I'm telling you, you, you hang around these people, man. You're going to find out we've got some issues. I mean, we are messed up jokers. I'm serious, man. I mean, some of y'all are like, yeah. But, but I think, and I, and I can't listen. And let me just say this here. I'm going to be the best pastor I can be to you. I'll do all I can. But people are going to say dumb stuff to you. I don't know why in the world they would say that to you. And I apologize. People are going to do dumb stuff. Uh, you know, you may sit in their chair and they come and say, well, we sit here. I'm sorry that they're just that ignorant. I apologize on their behalf. Amen. Things are going to happen to you even in this environment. And you can't lean upon Thrive Church and trust in Thrive Church. You put your trust in God. you got to trust in God. And this Thrive's a place where you're trusting God at. But you can't put your full weight in a church family to support what only God could do. Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to get let down every time. Does the right church matter? Yes. But it can't be in the place of God. And, and, and here's how you know. If you're wondering today, is this me? And I'm closing here. If you know you're out of kilter and you're kind of trusting in relationships, you blame relationships on your emotional state. Well, I'm down today. Why? Because so-and-so said or did something to me. Maturity is this. Don't ever let anybody else rule your emotional life. You have a decision to make when they do something to you, and you don't have to let them do that to you. Oh, I'm angry. Why are you angry? Because they said that to me. You don't have to be angry. It's your choice to be angry. You don't have to be offended. It's your choice to be offended. And you don't have to let anybody dictate your emotional state based on what they've done to you. And that's where maturity comes in. And, and let me just say this. If you don't let Christ complete you, then everything else will compete with him. If you don't let Christ complete you, everything else will compete with him. Works will compete with him. Lack of them. Trying to use Jesus, as we said in the first point. Possessions. You want possessions to complete your heart. And if you just had that 80-inch flat-screen TV and the new Xbox One, you'd be okay. The boat. If I just had the boat, I can just imagine on the water and life would be. No, 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 no. You're going to bring your problems on that poor boat. And we can't let relationships either. We can't, we can't lean on those to the fact that when they fall, we fall too. They're going to let you down, man. Jesus. If Jesus got betrayed by a friend, we're going to also. We're going to do the same thing. And if your trust is in that person, when they leave you, you're going to fall apart. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes in here today.